Now you're awake. Here's where you pass the sweets out at the start, so you're not rustling. That way you've got the sugar in you, it keeps you rolling. This is the second part, you know, as it says, number two, in our Strong series. Uh, the Strong series is really about inviting eternity, as it invades our moment. Uh, so this is, uh, this is part two of that. I want to talk a little bit about what God can do. And, and this next one really is based around the concept of generosity, um, the strength in generosity. But that will unpack itself as we, as we work through that. One of the values that Hope House Church has, I'm going to read it to you, Hope House Church values those who serve willingly and generously. Selfless servanthood and humility are hallmarks of our culture. Serving is our highest calling. So that's kind of the backdrop and each of these strong series after the introduction last week are going to be about elements of what we hold and what we believe. Um, I was researching, because I do that, uh, articles about living strong, about living well, living for others. That's what I actually put in. And all the articles, when I googled this, were all really negative. They talked about the danger of living for other people. The danger of that, that really shocked me. The danger of living for others. How it will make you depressed. How it will make you weak. But then I realized what they were saying is they weren't living for others. They were trying to live like others. They were trying to be somebody. They were trying to emulate and copy. And that was the problem. Time and again, the writers made the mistake of thinking living for others meant abandoning themselves. Except when we live for Christ, like Christ, we live for others and still find that life is life in all its abundance. So we know when there's a Christ connection in the middle of this living, something different happens. And so I got to thinking about myself, and I like to live the life of others. Anybody that follows me on Facebook will know that for the first few years on Facebook, till I got sensible, all of my Facebook posts were me in different Photoshop situations, me being somebody, living another life, because I love the whole... Julie will tell you I love the whole concept of dressing up. I just love, I just, I just, I just, no, hold on, steady on. This is church and I'm a minister. I'm not, I'm not a vicar, I'm a pastor. There's a difference in how I like to dress up. Okay? I meant fancy dress parties like going as a soldier or going as Superman is what I meant. The rest of you can wash your minds out with soap and repent. Yeah. Just know where your minds go, dear me. So I just thought I'd drop you a couple of these pictures up. You know that tech team at the back? Ah, here we go, first one. So here's some of my Facebook um, profile pictures from over the years. They're all completely genuine. I've been Flash Gordon. I've been Robin Hood. I've been a Roman statue. I have been one of the guys with the red sash on. I just thought I looked good. I was fatter then as well, because he's in my fat face. I was, is it, no, no, it's not Napoleon. No, it's not Napoleon, that one. Um, it's, uh, I think he was Spanish, actually, the painting. And, uh, and that's me meeting uh, Obama, which actually happened. <laughs> and then I did a few more. I always like military uniform. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah. I was Captain Scarlet. I've been Nelson. I've been in Knight in Armour. I've been the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, <laughs> That did not go down well with the minister's lunch when all the Anglicans rocked up and they'd all seen it. The one where I'm dressed up as Darth Vader walking behind the Archbishop of Canterbury particularly did not go down well. I did actually get publicly rebuked at the minister's lunch over that one. Um, 
And then, uh, oh, there's one more. This one's not photoshopped. This is just me on holiday. <laughs> Obviously, you know. Um, yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Enough said. Life is not a fantasy. Every one of those images were fantasies. Uh, I ought to start doing that again, didn't I, really? I'm, I'm taking life a bit too seriously recently. Um, you get, you know, you, you get recognised, you get a bit of importance, and suddenly you go all sensible in your Facebook posts. Uh, I think I need to start being stupid again. But life is not a fantasy. You know, I, I, I can Photoshop my face onto something and look like I am that, but I am not that thing. I can dress up in a particular way, I, I, but you're not that thing. How we, we live this fantasy life has little to do with money or, or, or position or power. It has everything to do with our attitude and our worship. How we live life is all about where we give our heart, what we give our heart to. And what we give our heart to, what I said the other week, is what we fear, what we surrender to is what we worship. Uh, and so this morning is going to be all about, once again, talking about somebody that entered into their valley where they met their Goliath. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with that one, it's part of the series we're talking on. It's the introduction series. Please, you can listen to that. Uh, you're welcome to listen to that on our Facebook or on our website. But that's the first of the series. But all of this is about you and me, the people we're speaking about, the people we use an example from Scripture, entering into that valley. Not fantasizing, not living a dream, but actually doing something, making a difference in God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I really wrestle with what this is. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, oh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul, the apostle, had found a place I've never found. Has anybody prayed for something to be taken away? I'm going to briefly touch on that and just say, yeah. I want to explain that this is where the heart of generosity begins. It's in our heart relationship with God. It's where we find a shift in our purpose and perspective and priorities. You see, Paul had made a shift in his perspectives in those verses. He was concentrating on the thorn, on the problem. But when he began to concentrate on God, even though he was weak, that's where his strength was found. And we've got to find that place. We don't always receive the answer we're looking for every time we pray. Have you noticed that? How does that work, Joel? I pray, and sometimes God doesn't say Yes. The Ferrari is still not outside the house. It's a mystery to me. Sometimes, worse still, I suspect God actually says no. Christians like to assume God always says yes or he says not now. No, sometimes he says no. Yeah, I'm with Neil. More often than not, he says no, get a grip. I'm not taking that away from you, just live with it. We don't always receive the answer we're looking for every time we pray. Can we continue to still give worship to God and thanks to God, even after he said, no, not in this situation, not at this time? Because that's when our heart is shifted. See, Mother Teresa said this, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God, 
at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of our hearts. And when we pray, it's not a case of coming and asking to receive something. Ask, give me this, take that away. It's coming and saying, Lord, let me know your heart. Let me know your heart. Let me know your heart in this situation. That's really the place where the worshiper meets the generosity of the God we worship. At the cross, we discover that God has already pruned away the spiritual thorns, just as he calls us now to stand before him so he can deal with our lives, to continue to grow us, to be our strength in our weakness. So when it comes to knowing God and asking for him to rescue and save us, it's a yes. When it comes to changing every item of our life, sometimes it's a no, live with it, because that weakness is my strength. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit this morning. It's about heart. That's a true moment when everything revealed in our heart and attitude is shown. Anybody here ever had a problem? Wow, some people didn't put their hands up. Amazing. Your problem is dishonesty. In that, you know that, that begetting, continual sin, the thing you get wrong, the thing that you fear, the thing that frightens you, the thing that just won't go away, the thing that keeps coming back and back again, the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable about standing and worshipping before God because you think, I've done it again. I'm in that place again. I'm fearful of this situation again. This could happen to me once more. In that very weakness, as we stand before God, we acknowledge his love for us and receive it then. That's where our strength is. Our gift to him is unconditional because his gift to us, his love, is unconditional. It's not about self-serving, but Christ-serving. In 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul says this, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In your weakness, his power is made perfect. Time and again, I listen to people tell me, I'm weak, I'm not good enough, I'm insufficient. I hear that all the time as a church pastor. I want to tell you, his power is made perfect in your weakness. We all have our version of a thorn in the flesh, our personal perspective that's uniquely ours. We all wait for God's yes or no. But even in the asking, that's a pivotal moment. Do we let God invade our moment with eternity? Or is our life just lived like a moment in eternity? So, generous trusting or judgmental and doubting. We're going to read a story now, and you can decide. You can decide about Zacchaeus. Um, but we want to be boasting in our weakness, boasting about the Lord in our weakness because he's our strength. Not boasting in what we are, but boasting in the salvation of our God, how amazing he is. Um, so let's, let's jump down a little bit. The lesson of generosity is one that allows a group of people. Generosity is what we're looking at this morning. Generosity allows a group of people to become a community called church, a family team, a tribe with a purpose. So some scripture for you. Let's read this together. Um, when I say together, I mean, I'll read it out. You just look at the board. Um, I've got an American friend. I can call him friend. I'll drink coffee with him. And he says, let's all stand together while we read this. We're not going to do that this morning. But he won't read scripture unless everybody stands up in the room. Just everybody's got to stand up. But this is what scripture says. Zacchaeus the tackle. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man, there was, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. You all want to sing the song now, Sunday school people, don't you? When Jesus reached the spot, I could see, I could see, I could almost hear your brain singing it. 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I like that. Look, Lord. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Look, look, God. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of a, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you want to know in a legal situation, the Jewish lawyer should have given back twice, but he was he was chosen to double what the law said. It was judge and jury of himself. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. There is so much being said in this story. I can't begin to, the cultural background of this, I just want to do the historian thing on you. I'm going to resist doing that. <laughs> except to say that he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be rejected from temple, he'd be rejected from worship. Sound familiar from the other week when we were looking at other stories? He'd be rejected from, from that gathering. He'd be kind of hiding in corners. He wouldn't belong. And Jesus says of him, you're part of this Abraham family, you're part of God's people. He brings him back in, he welcomes him up. That's so powerful, that's another story for another occasion um, that we're not going to look at today. Zacchaeus encounters Jesus' generosity. Jesus, taking the very nature of a servant, enters our world. That is the height of the generosity and love of God. He enters our world. He literally then enters the world of Zacchaeus. His generosity overrides his need for reputation, and he connects with Zacchaeus. You see, the person you don't connect with is a tax collector in that setting. They were about as low as you could get. They were working for the oppressive regime. They represented the oppressive regime. They extorted their own people. These were bad people, corrupt people. They were rejected by society and disliked even by the people that they served. Disliked even by the Romans. But Jesus not only enters the world, he enters the world of a sinner. He enters the world of this particular tax collector. He engages with him. He knows him. His generosity overrides his need for reputation. See, the minute Jesus engaged with that person in his weakness, people began to mutter. Jesus' reputation was under threat. Because what the people wanted was a great leader. What the people wanted was freedom. What the people wanted was a a new rebel alliance that would throw off the empire and release them all. What they didn't want was a Jesus that connected with sinners. And so they muttered. A public experience for Zacchaeus extends into his home. Jesus doesn't only deal with him in public, he deals with him in private. He enters his very world. He gets to the heart. There's something prophetic about that. See, we can live this public thing on a Sunday. We can live this amazing life on a Sunday. We can experience God on a Sunday. But Jesus enters right into the home. He takes it home. Most of us live the Sunday thing. Most of us live the public Christianity when we need to, particularly when other Christians are there. I had, a, I had a, a, an experience recently. Um, a good friend of mine, I can't mention Joe's name, but we, we, we're both kind of in training for doing a marathon. And uh, don't look at him. He's in the back corner. Don't look at him. He'll feel real uncomfortable. Um, and it was really funny because I'm walking past the market and they were putting the pork pies out and they were warm. I've not had a pork pie for years. Like years. And I thought, oh my days. Oh my days. 
Nobody must know I'm supposed to be on the diet. Nobody must know I'm going to have this pork pie. So I dashed it, £1.15 pork pie, walked out, just coming in the other direction is Joe, who's also looking after himself and only eats healthy things like fruit and vegetables, Greg's pasty. <laughs> and we're like nearly walking to each other. And we're just like, moments before, days before, we're talking about our overtraining, we're really looking after ourselves. Oh, but we were living the lie. Sorry, the dream. And, and we did this, like, really good friends, we did this thing as we walked towards each other. All right. <laughs> and we just kept walking like the person was invisible. Because we entered into one another's private world. I mean, I could tell you about, you know, Paul going to McDonald's every morning when we went to this building, but I wouldn't do that, not with Sue sat there. He thinks we don't know. You don't realise I go to the supermarket early next to McDonald's every morning and see him in there, but I wouldn't mention that in public. He'll never forgive me for that, but it's all right. His wife will never forgive him for it either. Yeah, he'll get his own back. That's the trouble. He will get his own back. Jesus enters into the private world. Look, what am I? I'm sorry I'm being silly, but look, Jesus enters into the private world. The big public world's great, but Jesus enters into the private world of this person. He enters into our private, quiet world, our home world. To enter home and to eat is to say, you belong. Oh, it, pile, it just pours value onto Zacchaeus. It says, you matter. Don't we all want that? That's the good news we have. That's the generosity of our God that we need to emulate. So here are the key, fact, key facts about Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So he was big on corruption. He was big on wealth. He was big on money. He lived for it. He was rich. He was an extortionist. But here's the truth. He desired to see Jesus. For all he had, he was not fulfilled. The home place, the quiet, the public was fine. The private was damaged. He was short, he couldn't see. He was short spiritually. He was short practically in everything he needed to grow. Career-wise in the social circle, he had excelled in wealth and riches. He had enough to be noticed. He was even recorded in Scripture. That's something, isn't it, to be recorded in Scripture? Have you a story told in Scripture? He has a desire to see Jesus. The above desire was met by obstacles from his physical stature to crowds surrounding Jesus and probably fear of that crowd. Imagine if you're a tax collector, do you want to be caught out in public by yourself? In a mob, in a crowd. There's no shortage of reasons for him not to get to see Jesus. He couldn't really be seen in public. He was hated for his job. His life was in threat. But he experienced Jesus' generosity. And I think you can feel the joy in Zacchaeus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Zacchaeus' strategy, he ran ahead. He was prepared to change. He, cha- he went ahead. He went ahead. He was prepared to change. He climbed a sycamore tree. He changed his situation. Church, we've got to be the kind of people that are prepared to run ahead, to look ahead, to have vision, to imagine what can be in God, to see it. We've got to be people that are prepared to change our situation. We can't just stand still and say, God, sometimes we've got to physically do something about it, spiritually do something about it. We've got to change our situation. He knew Jesus was to pass that way. Where, was, where Jesus was going mattered more than where he was going. You see, when your priority becomes Jesus, all sorts of doors open. You see, Zacchaeus didn't know what to do, so he climbed trees, he ran ahead, but the point was his heart was given to Jesus at that point already. He'd already set his mind and his heart on the Lord. And so, for all he got it wrong, for all he climbed trees and had to climb back down again, Jesus already knew. You know, it, I just want you to get hold of this. Jesus knows who we are. Yeah. 
He knows you. He knows the people in our town that we don't know yet. He knows them intimately. Luke chapter 18 says this, Some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That makes you feel wanted, doesn't it? You just need to know Jesus told this story on the road to Jericho just before he met Zacchaeus. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I just want you to imagine the scene. Jesus has just told this parable story, then he starts to enter Jericho, and wham. Some of the very people who heard that story are confronted with this situation where he's dealing with Zacchaeus. Don't you think some of those people were thinking, ooh, we've just done the muttering. And here we are with the same situation. Luke chapter 18. Sorry, Jesus tells this parable on his way to Jericho. I think he knew all about this little man Zacchaeus before he met him. And this little man's need to see Jesus. He was rich but rejected. But in Christ, he was accepted and brought home. Another situation happens at the gate of Jericho, moments before he meets uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do, you want, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. See, this man was no different to Zacchaeus. He couldn't see. He couldn't see, but knew Jesus was the answer. He was a broken man who needed to see Jesus. He was poor and rejected. So we've had rich and rejected and poor and rejected. What does that tell me about our society? What does that tell me about people? We just love to reject different. If it's not us, we reject it. But God, in his generosity, in his heart, engages with us and loves us. It doesn't matter whether you're a poor man sat at a gate or a rich man sat in a tree. I know they are rich men climb trees. But he engages and he says, you belong. Doesn't matter whether you're the woman that reaches out and touches the end of his garment or the leader of the local synagogue. You need Jesus to say, You're part of this. You belong. That is the generosity of our God. That is the generosity of our Lord. And we've got to remember this. We've got to remember it in our church, in this setting, the different kinds of people in this room. And there are very different types of people, different communities, different cultures, different histories, different statuses. Different experiences, but here's the deal. Who are you anyway before God? And then God takes you and He comes home with you and He changes who you are and He says, You belong. He says, You belong. He says, You are part of this. You're part of family. You know, He says of, he says of, of, of Zacchaeus, You're part of Abraham. 
You're part of God's people. It brings him home. And that's what the generosity and love of our Father does. That's the kind of people we need to be. People who just recognize we are just lost without the Father. We are lost without the gift of his Son. And so he gives that to us. And he brings us back through salvation into a belonging. Jesus brings them back into community, says, you belong here. The very moment they look for Jesus, nothing is the same again. So the guy that sits by the gate and shouts out, Jesus. And the guy that climbs a tree and looks out and is called down by Jesus. Nothing is the same again. The minute they start looking and listening for Jesus, everything changes. I want to promise you this. You know, people often say to me, I am stuck in this situation. Here's, here's my experience. I'm not going to drop this money, but here's my experience. When I am genuinely looking for Jesus in a situation, my life changes. When I'm using his name but avoiding contact, I pretty much stay where I am. I can say, oh, but Jesus, oh, but Jesus, oh, but Jesus, and actually ignore him. But when I actually sit at the gate and call out his name, or when I go ahead and and look for Jesus, when I actually change my circumstances and open the door to Jesus, it does change life. It does change. And the only times I have ever known Jesus not to change my circumstance is when I've hidden from him. Even when I've used his name, even when I've talked to Jesus, if the home is shut to him, I shut him out. See, this is Jesus' specialization of bringing his kingdom to earth, invading the moment of his eternity. And I love how everybody says to the guy by the gate, the blind guy, shut up. That's what I say to him, shut up. This is Jesus, you're not important enough. So the least, the nobody, everything stops because he mattered more than anybody in that moment in time. Eternity invaded his moment. And then Zacchaeus gets called down from a tree. And they're not brave enough to shout, shut up this time. So they all mutter. Which is kind of worse, isn't it? (laughs) Never happens in this church. I have never looked around the room and thought somebody's going... (laughs) They just tend to email me. Um, (laughs) For both those men, that moment transformed everything. The generosity of love that says your kingdom come on earth. When his focus was on Jesus, the setbacks, the thorns didn't matter. His height in a crowd that hated him were nothing when Jesus had called him down from a tree. Before he'd even met Jesus, he was selflessly giving himself to Jesus. He'd run ahead. He was ready. Our God understands our struggles, our thoughts, our words and our motives in every action we do before we do anything. Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. God knew Zacchaeus. It searched him. He knew all the stuff he was doing wrong, but he knew at the heart of all that, peel all of that back, is a heart to be saved, is salvation and transformation. And I think that is just the most beautiful thing. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's a really powerful thing, isn't it? This moment matters. And church, there are going to be those moments in your life where it matters, where you've got to respond immediately, where you can't put it off, where God wants to speak into your moment. And it's on his terms. It's unconditionally his terms because we give what we are to him. In his generosity, he's stepped into our situation, brings his eternity, his kingdom come into our moments of life. But it's on his terms because he's the Lord. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You're not the Savior. He is. 
It's about him breaking into us. Immediately today, the moment matters. Once again, they see the moment in eternity or eternity in the moment. Even as he reaches out to Jesus, everything changes. The moment Zacharias climbs the tree to be seen by everyone, there is no going back. You imagine how he... I just want you to put yourself in this position. You're hiding in a tree so nobody can see you, but you can get to see. And then the person points at you and says, Zacchaeus, and every person stares at you. I just want to give an example of how that feels. (laughs) Bob. This is Bob. Everybody stare at Bob. Everybody wave at Bob. Everybody say, hello, Bob. Bob's a quiet man. If I made Bob stand on the tree and on the chair and do all that, you'd be really comfortable, wouldn't you? He'd probably fall off, yeah. Well, you'd probably fall out of the tree as well, wouldn't you? But when you get looked at like that, everybody turns and everybody sees. But we're a friendly crowd. We like Bob. We love Bob, don't we? You imagine if we all hated Bob. Bob's condors. Bob's ripped us off time and time again. Bob's done me for half my cash. Bob's a robber. Bob's a tax collector. No offence to Ollie, he's here this morning. Ollie, if you don't know, Oliver Painter's in our church and he's a tax collector. Psst. Was a tax collector. He's a retired tax collector. He's seen better and stepped back. Um, as he handed back four, you know, four times that all he took off us. Um, when we look at Bob, we love him. Imagine if we're all looking at Bob and saying his name and we all hate him. How intimidating would that be? Because that's the situation Zacchaeus finds himself in. Everybody's looking at him, and he's trying to hide in a tree. Church, sometimes we just have to enter that valley. Sometimes, um, sometimes we just have to go public. He climbed out of his tree, and as he climbs out of that tree and faces Jesus and faces that crowd, this is just like David going into that valley to face his Goliath. It is that moment where he has to choose, do I run from this or do I trust God in this situation? Church, sometimes in your life situation, you've got to just simply say, I don't know how, but I trust Jesus. I will step out of my tree, I will walk into that valley, I will stand before everybody and say, this is about Jesus. Not knowing what will happen. Zacchaeus did not know that Jesus was going to say, I'm coming to your house for tea. He did not know that he was going to say, salvation is coming to your house today. He could not possibly know that he says, you are part of Abraham's family, you're part of my people, you belong. He could not know those things were going to happen. He just wanted to see. He just wanted to see who Jesus was. And he just wanted to see Jesus, everything is transformed. Church, I've got to be dead straight with you. Sometimes there's a price to pay. Sometimes our generosity, we have to give our lives Sometimes, church, you've got to come out your tree. Sometimes you've got to walk into your valley. Because some people like to live in the tree and say, it's not fair. It's not happening for me. I'm just going to stay here. You know, church, be generous with who you are. Give it to God. Win or lose. This is God's moment in Zacchaeus' life. Will God step in? Will Jesus look up? Will he know him? Yes, yes, and yes. He gives everything. What I love is... Faced with the generosity of Jesus, recognizing and knowing him. And you know when he says, I'm coming to your house for tea. How does that feel for a man rejected? That is the richest thing anybody could give to Zacchaeus. And his response is one of worship. He gives everything back. 
right now, half of everything I've got, I give to the poor. And of everything I've ever extorted, I, I pay back four times. So before people can take him to court, before he can, they can bring judgment on him, he pays back double what is required. Four times more than he's taken, he returns. He basically makes himself penniless because what he realizes is Jesus is worth more than reputation. Jesus is worth more than finance. Jesus is worth more than all the things I appear to have that are amounting to nothing. I'm going to surrender that at the face of knowing Jesus. It's astonishing generosity. It says in Philippians, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. That's what Jesus does. And what Zacchaeus does, he understands that mindset. And at that very moment, he becomes a servant to people and he gives it away. He gives it away. It becomes like Christ in that situation. It's a really beautiful thing. It's a very special thing. Immediately begins to emulate Christ. Jesus was the generous one the moment he says, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus got it. Jesus placed his reputation on the line for Zacchaeus. And he risks everything. People mutter he's going to sin his house. But Zacchaeus had made a decision. Belonging was bigger than having. He belonged to the Lord. His money could buy a position, but not purpose, not belonging. Jesus gave him belonging and a position of sonship that brought him purpose. It transformed his life. That eternal elevation allowed him to shift his perspective and find humility and generosity, living a purpose bigger than himself. Church, this morning, I believe God wants to take people in this room and elevate everything you are. And he wants to bring purpose and belonging into your situation. See, we can spend our, your, your life trying to outrun God and hiding in a tree because you think he's going to take more than you can afford. But stop running and discover he's really asking, he's really seeking to generously give you more than you can ever afford. Zacchaeus worked out he could not buy what Jesus could give. And so he gave everything away he got and received everything Jesus had for him. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. Church, that's where we need to be. The moment he publicly promised Jesus everything, eternity invaded him. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you going to promise Jesus everything? Because you can't buy what he's giving. So are you going to give what you've got away? Are you going to let go of it? Are you going to be generous with your worship, generous with your life, generous with your time, generous with your finance? Because that's just stuff compared with the belonging that Jesus brings, the generosity of salvation. Selfless servant heart was born at that moment. So, three quick thoughts, and I'm going to get the band back up. Humility is a hallmark of generous living. We see it in Christ, and we see Zacchaeus emulating it. Humility is a hallmark of generous living. Of all the qualities and characteristics I see, humility matters. His pride is laid aside. It's standing out against the crowd. It's been Zacchaeus and saying, I will humbly stand and confess and know that my life now has to change. Sometimes we equate humility with groveling or low self-esteem. It's neither. Humility is generosity because it's what Scripture says, preferring one another in love. That is a generous heart. C.S. Lewis wrote um, this, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. 
But the second thing that I see in this story is one of integrity. Integrity is a choice to be generous living. So Zacchaeus immediately found salvation. His integrity transformed. Everything he took, he didn't want. He wanted to return and more. His life situation changed. The concept of integrity springs from the original Latin word, just so you know, um, which means staying intact in a crisis. They had lots of earthquakes. If your house stood up in an earthquake, it had integrity. A house not falling in an earthquake. Church, we need to be the kind of people that when the trouble comes, when the battle comes, our foundation is built upon the Lord. It, it, it's the wise man builds his house upon the rock, upon Christ. And when the, when the crisis comes, we have integrity. We have integrity. He's given himself. Now he gives what he has. This is when strong living begins. When Jesus is our foundation. Not the stuff. See, Zacchaeus was living a weak life. Now he's living a strong life. Safe doesn't test your strength. A crisis does. That's why sometimes you need a thorn in the flesh. We must be willing to risk faith and live in that place where we need God to step in. That's the moment we're generous and not self-serving. When we're living a life that says, I can only do this if Jesus breaks into my situation. If Jesus doesn't break into my life, I can't live it. Who wants to live like that? Good, I'm glad nobody sprung up and said, yeah, I do, because it's a frightening thing. If I can only live my life in a way that I am dependent completely upon him. Not the pension scheme, not the job security, not the house, not the reputation. Jesus. The circumstance of life, I'm dependent upon Jesus. See, I'm excited when two of our, our young women are going out to Guatemala because, I, you know, I'm quite sure they'll be looked after and shepherded and protected, but in large measure, they're going to be learning what it is to say, I'm dependent upon Jesus. All the usual security things are stripped away. All the familiar are going to be stripped away. And they're going to be dependent upon Jesus. Trustworthiness. That's the third thing. Trustworthiness is a result of generous living. Trust is confidence. And in leadership and influences the people of God, it's when we become salt and light and a city on a hill. The moment we become ambassadors for Christ, we represent something. See, Zacchaeus would have to follow through on his commitment. He would have to follow through on his promises. I'm going to give everything back. He was going to have to live that. And the minute he does that, people's approach to him would have transformed. People's understanding of all this man was the authority and influence would be transformed. People's connection with him, his sense of belonging would just be amazing. Galatians 2.20 says, I have died, but Christ lives in me, and I, and I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. Uh, you know, this stuff's gone. Zacchaeus is effectively saying, all this stuff I built up, it's gone. I've done with it. This is now about Jesus Christ. That's the per- perfect description of the Zacchaeus moment. I'm coming to your house for tea. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Can I have the band back up, please? I'm not ashamed. Living strong means climbing out of protection of our tree. Standing before other people and saying, this is about Jesus. It's a generosity that says, Lord, this is it, this is what I've got. It's a heart that's prepared to receive Christ's generosity so that we can share that generosity. And so the band are going to lead us in a song, I'm not quite sure which one, I'm sure it'll be... Holy Spirit inspired and divine things.
But as they're singing over us, I'm going to ask that they sing over us, that they bring worship over us for just a minute or two. I just want to weigh, ask you to weigh your situation. Because it seems to me that many of us, we, you know, the reason we've come to church is because we've run ahead. We want to see Jesus. But even in the running ahead, we tend to climb a tree. We tend to preserve ourselves, protect ourselves. We insulate ourselves. We're, we're not vulnerable completely. Yeah, we'll run ahead to see Jesus, and we want to see Jesus this morning. We want to see what he might be able to do in people's lives. But we're still actually, emotionally, spiritually, we're good at hiding in trees. Fellas are really good at hiding in trees. Not letting go, not climbing down, not entering that valley and facing the Goliath. Church this morning, as we sing this song, as they sing over us, as they bring worship over us and proclaim um, the truth of God over us through worship, I just want to consider, ask you individually to consider, are you letting Christ into your life? Are you letting him say, come home? When he says, I'm coming to your house for tea, I'm going to read a prayer. This is the prayer of commitment that people pray when they become Christians for the very first time. And I'm going to read it just over us, simply because we need to be reminded that this is what we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, come home. I want to make my home with you. Is what Jesus says. And this is the prayer. As I pray, as I read this out and say amen at the end of it, if you're not a Christian yet, you can make that commitment. You can find the generosity of God's love this morning. If you are a Christian this morning, you can discover that generosity of heart by emulating Christ. You can climb up your tree before everybody else and say, I'm all about Jesus. Everything has changed from this point. And as the band sing and sing over us, in a minute or two, if you want to, we're going to physically enact coming out of the tree. And coming out of the tree, sometimes you're just being seen in public. So I'm going to ask people, I'm going to invite people to come and stand at the front as they want to. Not for ministry, not for prayer, not for hands laying on, but simply to come and stand and say, I'm coming out of my tree, I'm going public on this. I am all about Jesus. I need him. I'm not running ahead to just watch. I'm going to come and stand here because I want to take part in Jesus' life. That's what Zacchaeus did. He came out of the tree. It's the only place of fulfillment. It's the only place of purpose. It's entering the generosity of God. Lord Jesus, I know I've done things wrong in my thoughts and words and actions. There are so many good things I've not done. So many wrong things I have done. I am sorry for those wrong things and turn from everything I know to be bad. You gave your life for me on a cross and grateful I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to clean me. Come in as my Lord to lead me. And I will serve you all the remaining days of my life. Amen. So we want to live strong this morning. There's advancing over us for a couple of verses and after that we can join with them. I want to encourage you while we're still sat and while we're here. If you want to climb out your tree and say to the church this morning, say before the powers and principalities, say to Christ, I'm standing here. I'm yours. Welcome home. And then climb out your tree and come and stand just here this morning. Amen. You give life. You are love. You bring
You give life. 
week that you go before us. Lord, I pray that your name will be glorified. Lord, I pray that on every day, walking around lives, that your name will be glorified. Lord, as we face situations this week, Lord, I pray that you go before us. Lord, I pray that you're walking with us. Lord, I just pray that your name is above all. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, we're serving teas and coffees in the back. If you are new to us, you are so, so welcome. We've got our connection corner, my right, your left. Um, during the week, we've got our 